happens when you have a mental health crisis in the middle of your career? That's our subject for today. I'm Chester Elton, and this is my co-author and dear friend, Adrian Gosling. Well, thank you, Chester. Yeah, today we're going to talk about eliminating the stigma of mental health at work. And our guest is going to share his story, as well as the research to help us understand how we make mental illness relatable. Our guest today is our new friend, Jason Finucan, a mental health advocate and founder of Stigma Zero. As someone who has experienced both a major physical illness and a major mental illness, Jason, he shares his personal experiences in his book, Jason One, Stigma Zero, My Battle with Mental Illness at Home and in the Workplace. We are delighted to welcome you to the podcast, Jason. Thanks for giving up your time. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, we're thrilled to have you on. We want you to take us through your journey, Jason, as we begin. Uh, you, you talk about in your book in, tw- in 2005, you were hospitalized with a major mental health illness. Can you walk us through what happened and, and then how it led you to, to the book and, and founding uh, Stigma Zero? Absolutely. Um, I was 29 years old and I had been going through ever worsening symptoms of mental health, which I didn't understand at the time. It actually took two and a half years um, for me to go through these symptoms, which ranged from severe depression. And finally, in February of 2005, I actually had a six-day manic episode, which is a, an extreme um, example of how, how a mental illness can, can affect you. I was at a point at the end of the six days, I hadn't slept one minute for six straight days. And so it was quite unwell. And I was hospitalized and finally given a diagnosis, which was bipolar one disorder. The entire experience, those two and a half years, was so disorienting and it was fraught with stigma, first and foremost with self-stigma. I had all of the misconceptions and lack of knowledge that I now try to help address. And then the stigma in my family, my friends, and my colleagues. Some of it totally unintentional and certainly very little of it was malicious. It, but it affected me in a very negative way because people just judged or didn't understand or made incorrect assumptions. Now, I was very lucky that after my diagnosis, uh, I was prescribed a treatment. In, in my case, it was lithium, a mood stabilizer, which is commonly used for bipolar disorder. And after a few months, it became effective. And for the first time in three full years, I felt like myself. I was absent the symptoms of this illness I had been f- facing. And only after that, I came to realize that as a society, we are not responding to mental health or mental illness as we should. For example, why would we understand and empathize with someone with type 1 diabetes or a diagnosis of prostate or breast cancer, but stigmatize depression, anxiety, or bipolar disorder? It was in fact looking back at my open heart surgery when I was 12 years old. And I I asked myself the simplest of questions. On the day that I started experiencing depression, I began self-stigmatizing and hiding my illness. But what if my heart problem that I had corrected at 12 years old came back? Would I have hid it? Would I have felt any shame? Would I have been afraid to tell my boss or my friends? And it occurred to me in a very clear way that I and everyone around me behaved entirely differently. Uh, All that was different for me, though, was that one organ in my body failed versus a different organ in my body failing. And that's it just for that clarity is what made me begin the process of wanting to help by sharing my story. And I did it first as a volunteer for many years, in fact, 
with a, a local Montreal organization called AMI Quebec. They do wonderful education outreach programs, and I was the guy who would come in and tell his story as, as part of that education outreach. And it was years of that, maybe six years, I did over a hundred of these volunteer keynotes and crafted my message and my story. And it was my wife who finally one day said, you need to quit what you're doing. I was a professional fundraiser at the time. And she said, you need to be doing this for a living. This is what you're meant to be doing. And that's when I founded Stigma Zero and I wrote my book. Yeah, the advice of a good wife, eh? You <laughs> yes, know, when you, uh, when, you, when you marry up, it makes all the difference. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's so interesting. We talk about this all the time that, you know, had you had diabetes, no problem. Everybody knows, and there's no stigma there at all. Mental health, it's a whole different ballgame. So we've gone through ridiculous upheaval, right? You hear this all the time. There's the pandemic, the war in Europe, rising inflation, social unrest, you're an expert in mental health. So what advice do you give to people that are struggling to find that balance with everything that's happening around the world? Like, where do you start? I'm really glad you asked that question because it is something that I feel, even though we all know we're living through unprecedented times, I feel like a great percentage of us aren't necessarily doing the self-care that's needed to get through it and, and to recognize it. So I say always the first step is to acknowledge that we're living through an exceptionally difficult time and to recognize that self-care is vital. And I use the analogy of the oxygen mask on a plane. There is a very good reason we are told to put ours on first before helping others. And I feel that's exactly the same way with our mental health and our physical health. I mean, we can only be the husband, father, brother, friend, colleague that we can be if we take care of ourselves first. Um, and also finding a balance between dealing with the external pressures and the stresses that are out there, like the work, pandemic, everything you've just said, Ukraine, inflation, but also finding really healthy ways to decompress. That's different for everybody. Some people like reading, some people like movies. You need to get your exercise, have some hobbies. But most importantly, it's you've got to turn off social media and news on a regular basis. You, of course, we need to be up and, and, and read that news and understand what's going on in the world, but we can't consume it 24 hours a day or we will become overwhelmed. Except the Anxiety at Work podcast, which you should have on <laughs> all the time. Kind of 24 into 7, that right? everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you, honestly, you know, I want to jump in. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I want to jump in just really quick. No, Jason, no worries. You know, you said something there that I've been struggling with. And it's this, of course, we want to be updated, you know, on the news and we need to be, do we, do we really, <laughs> you know, yeah. there are times when I step back and I kind of go, yeah, I guess it's important for me to know there's a war in Ukraine. I don't know that there's a lot I can do about it, you know, and I think that's where a lot of our anxiety comes to bear, right? I mean, I want to be aware, I guess, so I'm, when I'm with my friends, I can locate Ukraine on a map. And I don't mean to minimize what's going on there. Mm -hmm. This idea that somehow, I've, I've got a brother, for example. He is obsessed, and he lives in Vancouver, right? He's obsessed with American politics. Mm, and finally, yes. I, had to say, I had to say to him, Tanner, turn it off. A, it's not good for you. B, you're Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing you can do about him. You can't even vote, you know? So, I, you know, you have this idea of I want to turn off my social media and so on. It really is one of the steps to just decompressing and taking that pressure off your brain, isn't it? It really is. And, and too easily, because we now all have these devices that give us unlimited access to unlimited information whenever we want, we need to curate our own information. So if you say to yourself, 
I want to know what's going on, whether it's with U.S. politics, Canadian politics, or with the war in Ukraine or inflation, go and sit down and read about that for a half an hour. Learn what you can and then stop. And as you say, don't stress about it for the entirety of the day because there's really nothing good that will come of it. You can't affect change to the greater issue and you can affect very negative change to yourself if you do that. It's, it's a discipline. It's not easy, I, I fully admit, but if you get into it, it's a little bit like eating well and exercising on a regular basis. It's a, it's a discipline. Well, recently, Jason, you published an article, Mental Illness, a Lifelong Battle. And sometimes people think this, um, they'll say something like, you know, when I had uh, anxiety, when I had a mental illness, it's like, you know, this is something people live with all their lives. It, sometimes it is episodic, but most of the time it comes and goes or it's, it's hiding in the background. It's, mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's one of the tough things. And you said one of the most difficult lessons is lesson seven that you, you said, don't think you can soldier on. So walk us through that and how that's applied in your life and also with the people that you, you help throughout your uh, career now this is this is a really good one and it's honestly kind of um it's fun for me to explain this because i have such concrete examples with my my heart defect when when i was 12 i mentioned i had open heart surgery it was a very rare nerve defect called wolf parkinson white syndrome nothing that could be done except a surgical intervention imagine at that age somebody saying to me you know do you really need that open heart surgery i mean come on you can just try harder and soldier through it it would just seem ridiculous no one would ever think that way but with mental illnesses whether they are minor or major i have seen and i was one of them uh people with very major symptoms hiding it and trying to soldier on and i worked i worked at least a year longer than I should have before I sought medical help and was given a leave of absence to then go and actually work on my illness. Um, It's a trap. It really is. Soldiering on is like, people say, you know, do you want to go to work when you have the flu? Well, you know, prior to COVID, that might've been a badge of honor. And post COVID, everybody realizes that's a really bad idea. (laughs) And the (laughs) idea is to just simply recognize if you are unwell, you need to address that. Don't hide it. Don't ignore it. And I give a really good um, example, which is that let's say you've never had a migraine in your entire life and suddenly you have one and it's a bad one. It it shuts you down for the afternoon and you wake up the next day and you're fine and you think, well, that was weird. I don't know why that happened, but you don't really worry about it. But now it happens again a week later and then again two days after that. How long before any of us goes and seeks medical attention? Because we're thinking this is a significant change in my wellness and maybe something is wrong that needs to be addressed. We don't soldier on through weekly migraines. We go and we get looked at. People are soldiering on through anxiety, through depression, through all kinds of mental illnesses and mental health problems that they really need to be addressing as a real thing that needs concern. It may only need talking to a friend. It may only need talk therapy. It may never result in a diagnosed mental illness like I have, but we have to investigate it with the same open-minded curiosity that we do any other illness that we face. Yeah, isn't it interesting? You know, we talk about this all the time, the stigma. 
other stuff oh migraine oh you know we're all over that <laughs> you know and then you say with the mental that's soldiering on you know adrian how many times have we said oh you know uh, rub some dirt on it get back in the game hey turn that frown upside down <laughs> exactly. um you know what one of my children went through you know major mental health issues and i remember i'd go in and i say hey buddy millions of kids are getting up today and going to school be one of those kids just get up and go to school mm-hmm. start there Having like literally no idea how detrimental that probably was to our relationship. We get along well now. I just want to. There is a happy That's ending. That's good. <laughs> yeah. So our our podcast is anxiety at work, right? The show's anxiety at work. So if we get to the heart of what you do, so mm-hmm. how do you help leaders and team members remove that stigma from the workplace? I mean, specifically the yeah. workplace, right? So uh, tell us, uh, give us some practical. Pract- let me say that again. Give us some practical, practical ideas. Who knew that practical was such a hard? It was such a hard word. Give us some, yeah. such a hard. Do you need word. a one-syllable word? <laughs> <laughs> Give us some stuff we can do at work uh, to help relieve that stigma, Jason. For sure. Well, let me start with a little bit of context. The way that we approach uh, helping companies or any employer really to end the stigma of mental health. It requires the same strategy that's already been used and proven for years with stigmas of the past. For example, many people don't even remember or know this, but breast cancer in the 40s and 50s carried enormous stigma. And imagine today the thought of someone stigmatizing a woman because she has breast cancer. It would be ludicrous. That person would be unaccepted. There's no way that would be allowed. But there was a day when a woman would be told you have breast cancer, she would go home, not tell her friends. There would be no, you know, there's no girls for the cure. There was no pink ribbon days, no denim days. There was no support socially, but now there is. How do we get from A to B? Simply put, specialized training, education, instruction, and a way to reach out to the audience that is engaging, that is inspiring, and that can offer practical tools And if you think back on many of the people who spoke out, again, using the breast cancer analogy, were women that had actually experienced it. They were brave enough to stand up and say, look, this is what it was like, and this is what we can do about it, and we need need more research, we need this. That's why it's so important for people like me who have lived through their illnesses, if they're able and comfortable with it, to share their stories because it reaches people. And that's one of the keys that we bring to all of our training. But I'll give you a a really good concrete example for the workplace that I see all the time um, mishandled, and it's medical leaves overall. I'll give give two examples to compare. So Chester, we we, let's say the four of us, uh, the three of us, I don't know where the fourth is, (laughs) the three of us work, (laughs) work at a large corporation, we're all colleagues, and Chester, you find out that you have a minor form of cancer, thyroid cancer or prostate cancer, and you need a procedure and no radiation, and you're not going to be away for a long time, you probably tell your boss that that's what's going on. You probably go away. People know about it. They support you. When you come back, you're welcomed back. It's, an, it's, a, it's all a positive experience as you face this challenge. The person with a mental illness is often afraid to disclose their illness, so they're told, they tell their boss, here's my doctor's note that says I can't work, but I'm not telling you why. And then the work doesn't know how to announce the leave. So they often say, well, Adrian is going to be off for the next several weeks due to, uh, you know, on medical leave. That's it. 
and nothing else is said about it. Now people don't know, well, can I talk to Adrian about it? What should I do? And then when you leave, often you don't get a get well card, but Chester, you got one in your hospital room. You got a a bouquet of flowers because that was the standard procedure. But Adrian, you fell through the cracks and nobody reached out to you during your entire time off. And then when you came back, your desk was unprepared. There was boxes there because you'd been gone for three months. It didn't make you feel valued or welcomed. This is not done to hurt an individual. This is done because it's just simply not considered. They don't know what to do. And one of the things that we do is we explain there are ways to announce a medical leave without giving the details of the illness while simultaneously promoting the concept of empathy Oh, we're going to have a get well card that we're going to sign. Please come by and sign that. Making sure that when they come back, they're welcomed properly. There are many, many ways that these are subtle changes often, but they have a massive impact on the individual. Yeah, I love that example, Jason. It's so powerful. And yet, you know, what nobody listening to this point is is thinking this, but there are people out there, everybody who's listening saying, yeah, but I got a boss who goes, this is just a bunch of hooey, you know. Back in my day, we just buckled down. We just, come on, you know. Uh, you know, a week off for mental health, you know. What do you, what do you say to, the, to, the, to those leaders out there who have a lot of influence, who just don't believe this? Take my training. truthfully truthfully, what we what we try to do and and what we succeed in doing um one of i would say one of the points of pride for me with with my work is we have uh feedback that we get through our online program and it's optional feedback it's it's one of those you know comment boxes if you'd like to add some comments go ahead and multiple people over the years have said things like i was that guy i used to think that this was something that was made up. This was something that was embellished. This was something that people really could just get over and try harder. And by their by the time they're done listening to my story and all of the educational points throughout the programs, they actually realize, oh, I'm not looking at this as an illness. I'm looking at it as a character flaw. Yeah. And I have a I, I think if you highlight to people that all mental health problems, which I, I do want to clarify one f- difference in the phraseology. A yeah. mental health issue or a mental health problem is similar to saying I'm 15 pounds overweight. I have a physical health problem and it's causing me low back pain. I probably should lose that weight. I, I, I need to eat a little better, but it's not dire or urgent. I'm not going to the hospital. That is a mental health problem. So if you have mild anxiety that you can live with and work through, or you have mild depression that you can live with and work through. It's not easy, but you can do it. That's an example of a mental health problem. Your mental health is not optimal. A mental illness, on the other hand, is now in the category of, well, we've diagnosed you with cancer, diabetes, bipolar one, clinical depression. You now have this illness diagnosed. You probably will need some form of regular treatment and you will need to manage it, as you mentioned before, Adrian, likely for the rest of your life. Yeah. But, but you can live incredibly well with that. But my message is to both sides, whether you only have a minor mental health problem or you have a full-blown mental illness, you need to manage them both at the same time. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, it's, it's really interesting. Um, when you talk about that, is it just a matter of time? 
You know, you've given us a couple of examples yeah. now. Uh, breast cancer, it was verboten, and now there's all this support. You know, I, I got to thinking about, you know, alcoholism used to be something, boy, you'd never talk about that. Mm-hmm. Now it's, oh, you're so brave. Good for you. So do you think it's just a matter of time? Like, talking about it more and more, it's just a time thing? Is that what you're saying? I'm definitely saying that things like your podcast, the books that you've that you've both put out into the world, um, things like what Stigma Zero is doing and me getting out there and telling my story, add that across the globe. And you're absolutely right. Over time, that's what shifts the culture from accepting a certain thing to realizing that thing is no longer appropriate. And it does take time. It can take decades. Uh, But I firmly believe that if enough of us are doing this kind of work and getting that message out there, and then those people are sharing it and so on, there is a chance, and, and we, we joke about this at Stigma Zero, I'm 47 years old next week. My hope is, before I'm gone, that my company is obsolete. Nothing would make me happier than my company not being needed in my lifetime. That may be a little bit ambitious, but we'll see. Um, I do think society is heading in the right direction. In fact, I've seen a massive improvement in the last five to 10 years. Well, tell us about uh, how people learn more about Stigma Zero and your work then, Jason. Yeah, thank you, Adrian. Um, we we work with clients of all types. Essentially, we work with employers. If you employ any number uh, of, of people, whether you're a school, you could be a hospital, you, you could be in any industry, it doesn't matter. We take care of all of that. And, and the goal is, is we provide training to better respond to workplace mental illness and workplace mental health problems all with a goal to eradicate the stigma surrounding it. And the easiest way to learn more is visit our website at www.stigmazero.com. And you're more than welcome to reach out to me directly at jason at stigmazero.com. Well, this has been, you know, really such a good focus in on, on stigma, which is, which we bump into every day. Uh, when I told you about the, you know, the manager, the grumpy manager, I mean, I, I bumped into one of those the other day and I'm giving a presentation to a couple of hundred people and this guy in the front row starts just, this is, you know, <laughs> yes. just BS. <laughs> yeah. And he got shot. He got shouted down by people in the audience. And what was interesting is, is especially the women in the audience who were, I think, much more sensitive to this subject than maybe some of us men. So oh, that's I, very true. Yeah. yeah. So it was just really interesting for me. I know it's a case study of one there, but okay. So put on your, 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 you know, your futuristic hat here. Where do you think we'll be? You say you want to get rid of your business within 20 years. It's not necessary. Where are we going to be in five years or 10 years? Where do you think the future of mental health is going? Um, and how can we help it get there? I believe that in, in the same way that 15 years ago, employers were just starting to think about you know, we had benefits packages, but did we have necessarily employee assistance programs? Not not that much. I mean, that, that really came out in the last 20, 30 years. I believe that eventually we're going to get to a point where an employer recognizes that offering training on mental health and mental illness and actively curating a stigma-free work environment is going to be viewed as a critical, essential, base-level thing that needs to be done to succeed as a company not for the altruistic reasons of taking care of your employees i mean the bottom line attracting new talent retaining that talent 
the profits that are lost every year to presenteeism, to people trying to work when they are ill because they're afraid to disclose it, presenteeism is the greatest drain on profits that mental health and mental illness creates. So I think more and more companies are coming to that realization and they're building better education programs, support programs, advocacy programs, and also these campaigns. When I refer to the breast cancer campaigns, this is important. There's no one in our society who's never heard of the pink ribbon days or the denim days. Everyone knows that's for breast cancer. That kind of awareness is what gets people to be unable to play that role of the gentleman in your in your session because that person now is an outlier. Everybody else understands, yeah, of course there's mental illnesses and we need to respect that and we need to have empathy for that. So I think that's where we're going to go. Some companies will be slower, of course, if they're led by people who resist this, but I believe that from a business point of view, that will be um, that will hurt them and then they'll eventually have to come around. And I do think that the, the place I'm trying to get things to that I want to see it get to, and I believe it can, is that there will no longer be a difference in the reaction to the knowledge that the person in front of me has any illness. I don't care what part of your body isn't working. I'm just sorry that you are facing an illness. I, I want to be able to say that as your boss, as your colleague, as your friend. There should be no judgment about illness unless... It is something where a person is recklessly causing, and that's a different thing. That's where you still have empathy for a person, like someone with with addiction, for example, and their actions are really making it worse. That's in a different category. But someone like most people who suffer from mental illness don't necessarily get to that place, but they're not in a good place of feeling supported. And I believe that companies are, are recognizing they need to get there. Because no one deserves to face an illness that threatens their quality of life and then simultaneously have to deal with stigma and judgment. Yeah, yeah. So no one better to address this than you, uh, Jason. What are some of your daily practices that help you stay centered and mentally you know, strong and, and keep your oxygen mask on, as, as you said? Well, I, I, it's a great question. I have several. I like to joke that uh, this particular vehicle is a high-maintenance vehicle, <laughs> but, uh, but that's okay. At least I know how to maintain it. No, I, I, look, I have medications I have to take every day. My particular illness, bipolar disorder, is not one that responds to non-medical therapies. Um, talk therapy, different foods, all that kind of stuff, which can be actually very helpful for some mental illnesses. Mine is a, is a little more cut and dried. I need a, I need a medication to correct the medical and uh, the chemical imbalance in my brain, but I take my medication with gratitude. I am grateful every day I take it that it exists because without that medication, I could have been in such so much a worse position. Um, I also track over 50 health data points a day, and that sounds like a lot. It takes me two minutes a day. I have an app that I use. I, it's called eMoods, if anybody would like to look it up. Um, I, I, I don't get anything for promoting them. It's just it's, a, it's one I found and I find very useful. I track things like my mood, my sleep, both volume and quantity, my exercise, uh, a whole host of things. So that way I know if there's any statistical trends going in the wrong direction, like my sleep is either increasing beyond my average or decreasing Suddenly, that can be a canary in the coal mine. Things like that can be very useful. Uh, sleep is probably the single most important thing for anyone. I don't care whether you have mental illness or not. 
sleep and getting regular quality sleep will always help you maintain a, a better health. And of course, the usual. Try to maintain as, as healthy a lifestyle and a diet as you can. I'm not a monk. I absolutely enjoy, um, you know, I, I, I don't eat perfectly and, I, and I, don't, I, I don't worry too much about those things. But what I do is I kind of live under that simple everything in moderation. I just don't ever do anything to excess. And that really seems to help. Um, and with the pandemic and global concern, concerns, I actually fairly strictly limit my consumption of news. I, I limit it to one hour in the morning. And for the rest of the day, I do not watch, read, or look at anything to do with the outside world. I focus on my my wife and my friends and, and me, and I make sure that I'm in my work and that I'm doing what needs to be done um, for that. And this is the last one, which can be difficult, but I actively limit contact with people who cause conflict, stress, or anxiety in my life. Those toxic people that we can sometimes come across, and sometimes they're a little closer to us than we want them to be, we need to protect ourselves from that. And, and that it can sound a little cold, but it is when you're dealing with your health, you, you, you've got to take care of, uh, take care of home base first. Well, what happens if there are, uh, you know, and I just have so many people that I know who close family members create that contact and they go, how do I not talk to my mom? <laughs> you know, <laughs> look, it's not always it's not always possible. I, I didn't say excise them. I just limit my contact. <laughs> I mean, make the phone call every hey. week, but maybe make it a short call. <laughs> yeah. No. Listen, I know there are times, and he won't admit it because we're recording this. That Adrian has blocked my number. <laughs> I know there. Are, I, I, why can I not get through to Adrian? That's not. Well, there's that's a reason for that's that. not true. It's permanently blocked. No. Uh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> It's not temporary for one day. Yeah. Hey, this has been such a great yeah. discussion, Jason. We've had uh, we've had insights. We've had some laughs together. Now, what one or two, one or two things would you want our listeners to take away from from our discussion? Yeah, let me give you two. One is for the people out there who have never experienced a mental illness. You just you don't know what it's like, and you have trouble understanding it. And what I say to everyone in that position is develop your empathy and your emotional intelligence because I guarantee you if you also have never experienced pick a physical illness whether again it could be cancer it could be many different things if someone in your life has it you can find a way to feel empathy for that person you can use your emotional intelligence to imagine what they must feel like and that makes you say things like I'm sorry this is happening to you is there anything I can do to help etc. Do that with mental illness and you are already light years ahead. And for those of you who are currently or who have in the past experienced a mental illness or even a minor mental health concern, the first and most important step is to stop the stigma in your own mind. There are many people who are actually managing their illnesses very well, but they are actively hurting themselves with a negative stigma about their own illness. They feel guilt they feel shame, and I know what that feels like. It is an awful feeling to feel shame for something you have no control over, no matter how hard you try. And I can only say to anyone who feels that way, the sooner that you drop that feeling of shame and guilt and recognize this is an illness, this is something that happened to you, all you need to do is do your best to manage it. I find if, if those two things are done, really we can we can move a significant step forward just in those two shifts in thinking 
Such great advice. Thank, thank you so much, Jason, for sharing your story, the work that you do, the speeches that you give, the programs that you teach. You know, I, I'm, I'm really struck um, the way you reframed it and said, look, there was a time when you couldn't talk about breast cancer. There was a time you couldn't talk about this or that, the other thing. As people talked about it, they normalized it, they empathized with it. It got better and it wasn't as, as big a deal. And let's hope that that happens, you know, faster uh, rather than, than 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 slower, because it is something that so many people, like you say, are struggling with. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us, giving us your time, sharing your expertise with, with our audience. It's really been a delight to have you on the podcast. Thank you both. I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation and, and great questions. It's always, it's always fun to be challenged like that. <laughs> Adrian, such sage advice from somebody who's really been through, you know, the stigma, mental, physical health. I'm curious, in your notes, what were some of your big takeaways? Well, I think the biggest first one is the idea of self-stigma that we put on ourselves, that, that he said, that's what he had to fight through first, is that, yeah, look, uh, you know, this is, I'm not strong, I, uh, I feel guilty, I feel shame. Um, and what he's saying is exactly right. I have no control over this. This is controlling me right now. Um, just as any illness, this is just a different organ that's affecting us. Yeah, you know, it's so funny. That was my first note as well. Self-stigma. Somehow I'm not worthy. I'm less than. And, and you've got to start there. Um, the other one that I, I, I really appreciated what he said, acknowledge that these are exceptional times and take care of yourself. You know, we always use the word unprecedented, and I know it's getting a bit dull. The fact is, it still is unprecedented, you know, and you've got to step back and say, look, there are healthy ways to decompress. I really appreciated when he said, look, limit your time on, on the news and all that bad news. His discipline is he spends an hour in the morning. And then let's go for the rest of the day. I was thinking, that's a terrible way to start your day <laughs> for the first hour. <laughs> I, would, I would make it like an hour, like around noon or something, you know, and then have a big meal. The thing is, there's a discipline associated with it, you know, that helps take care of yourself. What else have you got in your notes? Yeah, and I think with that, too, uh, you know, my son, Anthony, who helped us write Anxiety at Work, the book, uh, he says, you know, I, I do a, maybe a half an hour of social media and uh, the news every couple of days. He says, and I, he says, I'll ask myself at the end, what new did I learn? And uh, if there is something great, but he says, most of the time, I didn't learn anything new. I'm just reinforcing the, the feelings that I had before. And so I think that's really important is to, is, is to limit ourselves there. Um, you know, I think the idea of stigma, and that's his whole work is stigma. And you forget, yeah, breast cancer. I loved your point of alcoholism is that in the past, you never would talk about that. Now people say, no, I'm 18 years sober and, and, and everybody cheers. There's just yeah. a different thinking with it that, uh, and but it, it doesn't. It's not just time because we have to work on it as well. It, it's time, but it's also, it's acknowledgement. It's all the you know the celebrities now that are speaking up about their mental health. All that, it's a cumulative cumulative effect that all adds up to to taking away the stigma. Yeah, and so how do you speed up the clock, right? How do you how do you make that time shorter? And he said you've got to talk about it. Increase your EQ, right, your emotional quotient, and increase your empathy and say, hey, look, I, you know, I'm 
with any kind of luck, I'm not going to have to take lithium. He says, look, I take lithium. It's it's a chemical imbalance. If I don't take it, I'm in real trouble. That's part of my self-care. So this idea of the more we talk about it, the more we empathize, the more we reach out, the more we make it safe, we can speed up that clock so it doesn't take a decade or two decades, you know, hopefully a few years. And then he said, look, in the workplace, it's going to become mandatory that you have got these kind of programs yeah. if you want to attract and retain really good talent. So, so yeah, many great as insights. We've, we've talked about, oh, yeah, because as we've talked about, the smarter you are, the more likely you are to have anxiety. Um, yeah. You know, Mensa members have anxiety three times the, the, the average population. You want smart knowledge workers in your organization. You're going to have to do this. In fact, one of our guests we had on a while back, you know, um, a hospital system, they now have a therapist full-time on, on yeah. staff in every hospital they have, not just one. Every single hospital has a therapist on staff because they know this is one of the costs of doing business now that's a smart one. So, you know, just some great ideas about removing the stigma. You know, what are we doing to help people feel comfortable about talking about this? Yeah, and then it's not a character flaw. I thought that was such a wonderful way to put it. If you're suffering from mental health and anxiety and depression, it's not a character flaw. It's an illness. You know, you can work on that. The, the last one for me is, and this is hard, and you brought it up, is limit your exposure to toxic people. Because sometimes those toxic people, uh, you know, are on your family tree. <laughs> and you have to interact <laughs> yeah. with them, right? Yeah. So you got to go, yeah. ah, geez. And we've all had that, uh, that you know, on, on the caller ID, they go, ah, oh, geez, you know, I just oh, know gee. this is going to be horrible, as we say in New Jersey. So uh, some really great advice from a guy who's been through yeah. it. And, uh, and boy, don't we, we appreciate. I, the last thing, uh, you know, his, his, his note on, on gratitude. He said, mm. I take lithium and I take it gratefully. And yeah. I thought, that's a reframing of I take lithium because I have to. I take yeah. lithium because I'm so sick. He goes, you know what? Lithium. Boy, am I grateful for that. I thought that yeah. was such a great way to reframe that whole oh, cause so often, yeah, people with, well, I'm going to take this medicine until I don't need it anymore. And sometimes right. we take medicine all our lives, and that's okay uh, if that's what you need. So just such such good advice. I mean, yesterday I was I was chatting with somebody, and, you know, she couldn't uh, make an appointment. And, uh, and, and because she was going through a major depressive episode. And, and she said... Uh, I, I'm going to tell people, I, you know, it's because I have depression. And, and even then, you know, there was a pause. And, and, but she did it. And, and people responded and, and were supportive. And, and that's, that's what we need is, is to be able to be brave ourselves to remove that stigma. And also, when that happens, to be an ally and support those people. So some great advice from, from Jason. Um, I want to thank him for being on the show. To our producer, Brent Klein, who, who makes uh, magic out of our uh, mayhem. And to Christy Lawrence, who helps us find such great guests. And, of course, to all of you who listen in. That's right. And if you like the podcast, please share it with friends and family, people that are maybe struggling with some of these issues. We always have great practical advice. So please share it. Uh, download the podcast. It always helps us get the message out to more and more people. And we've got a wonderful online community called The Culture Works, where it's a safe place to talk about mental illness, share your stories, cheer for each other and have that supportive community. 
Lastly, I know I love to speak at conferences. I know, Adrian, you love to. And actually, we get to speak together sometimes. Yeah, so if this you're week. looking for some, yeah. <laughs> that's right, down in New Orleans. So if, you, if you're looking for great speakers, workshops, please uh, give us a call. We talk about culture. We talk about leadership, gratitude, and, of course, anxiety at work. We do it in person. We do it uh, virtually. So please give us a call. And more than anything else, we hope you're having a, a healthy and happy day that builds on a help, happy and healthy week and month and year and life. I think I covered all the time zones there. Right? You really yeah. did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so let's all work together to remove the stigma of mental health. Thanks for joining us together uh, this week, and we'll, we'll talk with you soon. Take care and be well. Thank you.